want him to be involved. You say, does he automatically get involved? No, we read in scriptures like the book of Revelations. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So we have to ask Jesus to get involved. We're asking him to take part, take the lead, provide guidance as well as directions in our situations, our family, our finances, our church, our auxiliary, our relationships, our schools, our workplace, our business. We're asking Jesus to get involved. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Persistent means to continue a course of action firmly and to endure in that same action for a long period of time. In other words, a persistent person will continue to do something even though it's difficult and others may encourage us to stop. See, persistent is synonymous with constant, relentless, steadfast, as well as dogged. And the opposite of being persistent or is interrupted, stopping, unsteady, as well as surrendering. See, persistent people are those who tend to not allow their circumstance, their situations to stop them when it comes to achieving their assignment, their goals, and so forth, despite the obstacles that they may face. I think of people like Harriet Tubman. According to Wikipedia, she made 13 missions to rescue over 70 people from slavery. Even according to the documentary on PBS, uh, television station, uh, she, had, she had over 100 people she rescued from slavery despite the odds against her. And some people even estimated they get, it went into the thousands. But she did not let the odds stop her. I think of Dr. Seuss, which is kind of interesting. Uh, we went to see a play with my niece in it, and they were talking about Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss was rejected 27 times before a publisher took a chance on him. Now, today he has sold over 66 million books by 2015, according to Priceonomics. Even in 2021, when they tried to counsel him, Forbes reported that there were over 3 million books sold. And from the previous years, there was maybe 1.2 to 1.5 million. Persistent people, people who were and are committed to continue a course of action firmly and endure at the same action for a long period of time despite rejection, disappointment, and such like. I can imagine 27 times rejected. I might would have said, forget this, I'm in the wrong field. But not him. He kept going. Persistent people like Rosa Parks. She refused to move to the back of the bus for a white person became the face of the civil rights movement back in 1955. She woke up one morning with a mind to catch the bus, but by the end of the day, she was the spark that ignited the civil rights movement. She was included in an article entitled 13 Iconic Women Who Nevertheless Persisted. Not only was she in that article, but we also read about Michelle Obama, who was also in that particular article. To help us to see that giving up, stopping, and quitting is not an option, but endurance is essential. 
I want to give you another example. I'm just thinking you figure out who this is. She was born in Washington, Georgia, in the county of Wilkes. She was the youngest of nine children. She went on to attend West Georgia College and earned all the way up to a specialist degree, and she had she had she has two children. She was when she filled out her financial aid paper, she testified they could not believe the level of poverty or lack of resources that her family had. She went on to become a teacher, a principal, a district and a state leader, all while being your first lady. <laughs> Amen. That's a blessing, ain't it? You ain't got to look far, boy. And let me say this to you. She is relentless. There's a few examples of persistent individuals who have made an impact in life by not letting disadvantages, prejudice, poverty, their past, and so forth stop them from achieving their goal. I can imagine there are at least three graduates in here today who were persistent despite the homework assignments, teachers, classmates, and so forth. They persisted until they got their degree. People who, knew, who know their assignment set their mind to accomplish that assignment despite difficulties, rejection, challenges, emotional or mental issues, uh, and so forth. They are determined to remain focused and achieve what they set out to do. In fact, I believe that one of them has or had some type of disadvantage. I have found out that I've not read about one person who did not have some type of disadvantage along the way. I don't know one person yet. Even Jesus had people that opposed him and when he was going out to do what he do for people like us. People like us. As believers, especially maturing in Christ-minded believers, we must be persistent. While there are many areas we must be persistent in, one area that I want to focus on today is our need to grow and develop in being persistent in our prayer life. And when it comes to praying, we must continue to pray and endure in prayer for long periods of time, despite what we see, feel, or think. Now, prayer is a two-way conversation between us and our Savior, between us and our Deliverer, between us and our Protector, between us and the one that causes us to prosper, and the one who keeps us despite us sometimes. It's a conversation between us and Jesus. It's our invitation to get Jesus involved. When I pray, I'm asking Jesus to get involved. I want him to be involved. You say, does he automatically get involved? No. We read in scriptures like the book of Revelations. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So we have to ask Jesus to get involved. We're asking him to take part, take the lead, provide guidance as well as directions in our situations, our family, our finances, our church, our auxiliary, our relationships, our schools, our workplace, our business. We're asking Jesus to get involved. Get, ask Jesus, please get involved with every area of our life. Jesus sees all. He knows all. He got every answer to every situation, every circumstance. But 
we at need, excuse me, we need to ask him to come into our space, into our thinking, into our conversation, into our actions. Luke records in a parable that Jesus uh, is to teach us today the importance of persistent prayer. He's going to use what we call a parable. A parable is comparing or a comparison of one thing with another. It's a likeness or a similitude. Many will refer to a parable as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And one definition is that a parable represents an example in which a doctrine or a precept is illustrated. In this particular parable that we're talking about today, the Lord is illustrating us how prayer should look in the life of a believer. It will be up to us to be attentive and gain insight from the word of God that Jesus is teaching us and allow his teaching to take our prayer life to another level. And in this parable, I believe that Jesus is teaching his disciples concerning the power that is in persistent prayer. Now, before I go into Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8, I don't think that it's got to be perfect prayer, but it needs to be prayer. Do you follow what I'm saying by that? I don't really know if you're going to have the right words to say it every time, but I do believe you can mature and grow in your prayer life. And I believe this will help us in our particular prayer life. That it's going to be a lifestyle and not just a one-time event. Luke 18 and verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So remember that persistency is this. A continuing firmly on a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. He spoke a parable to them that men always, at all times, ought to pray, to cry out to God, to ask God to get involved, a two-way conversation with our Savior, and not lose heart, not become utterly spiritless, to be weary, to be exhausted. I believe that Jesus is somewhat addressing the mindset of men. See, a mindset deals with our thinking, our conversations, our beliefs, our attitudes, and our actions reflect our mindset. Jesus was teaching that if our mindset is always on prayer and asking Jesus to be involved in every area of our life, we cry out to him, then our actions will not become weary, weak, and not be ready to give up or give in. We're not praying as sometimes we're not praying as we should, and we give up. We give up on his word. We give up on the church. We give up on our desire to live and to please him. And many times it can be linked back to a lack of prayer. We become so tired and weary with life, situations and people that we just want to give up, turn back, and turn away from the things of God. Now, I'm not talking about tired when it comes to a physical tired. I'm talking about tired when it comes to a spiritual tired. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 gives us a better example of what we're talking about. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So again, and let us not grow, develop or increase, not in something good, but in being weary. 
faint-hearted, to be utterly spurious. You can grow in being weary. You can literally develop a weary mindset. And I've been guilty of it. I've been weary of certain things. I've been weary of spiritual things. I'm talking about things that should be good for me, but I got weary of it. Got weary of it. Well, listen, well, I said, God, you're not moving on this prayer fast enough. I've been giving for a while, but Lord, I don't see the results of my giving. I got weary, but the Holy Spirit reminded me, hey, you, hey, hey this is going to work out for your good. He had to remind me. So I, you may not have had that problem, but your pastor has had that problem where he's got weary and doing good. Listen, I, I've been doing good. I said, you know what, Lord, I just finna cuss these folks out. I mean, I'm tired of holding my tongue. I'm, I'm tired. Listen, I'm, some vengeance in mine say after Richard. I'm sorry, let me back up, y'all. It's too personal for you. That's too personal for y'all. But, but understand something. Get weary. Get weary doing what is spiritually right. And notice what happened. In due season, but notice it, there's a due season that's coming. There's a due season that comes if I don't lose heart. The enemy is after my due season. After my due season. After my harvest. After my blessing that's coming from God. And I messed up too many on my own. I got to get, get right with God. I got to get right. Now I'm going to lose heart. I'm going to become too relaxed get tired out. Now, I can be doing good and begin to develop a level of tiredness, exhausting, and thoughts of giving up. Due season is coming. Reaping is coming if I do not lose heart. Becoming faint heart is real, y'all. It may not be real to you. It's real to me. Being, I, I've been faint heart before. I'm lying to you. Listen, I can't lie to you about that one. I can see him preach. I never become faint hearted. The Lord look at me like, I know he ain't say that. <laughs> I know he did not just say that. After all, I have to encourage him to do what's right in the scriptures. To leave our set, the enemy is after us to leave our set place because he knows that the harvest is coming. And thank God it's coming to y'all. Remind somebody, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. The enemy will get you, want you to leave your set place of getting knowledge and understanding. And God's working miracles, signs and wonders for us all, us and all around us. Yet, we can be doing good and still have a desire to give up, especially when our prayer life is not where it should be. We can see what happens when people begin to look back in, according to Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. The book of Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. Let's turn there. Luke chapter 9, verse 62 reads as follows. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking or gazing or directing his thoughts or his mind back is fit, is useful, or well placed for the kingdom of God. When I start thinking of looking, looking back, pretty soon my actions will show that I'm drawing back. Hearing the word is not as important as it once was. Praying is not as important. I'm indifferent about prayer. I pray, it'd be okay if I pray, if I don't pray, it'll be all right. That's a sign that you're in the, getting in the wrong place there. Fellowship with my sisters and brothers in Christ is not that important. Living a consecrated life is not an important in my life. Only when it's convenient for me. Because you know sometimes when it's convenient for me, I ain't got no problem with it. But when it's not convenient, I'm not going to go out the way in order to live a life that's pleasing to God. 
Jesus makes it clear that once we start to look back, getting our head to go back, they were not fit or useful for the kingdom of God. Could it be that Jesus is trying to teach us to pray that so we can have protection from becoming faint-hearted, weary, and develop a mindset of going, looking back? I remember, and I can tell you stories, I've been in ministry for a number of years now. I know people that I used to admire their spiritual life. If I look at them now, they're not even in church. They're back to the old ways of living. I've seen it happen. And I say, Lord, help me not to be that person. Help me, I don't want to be that person. I want to be that person that was here ministering the gospel one day and then one day was doing things that were contrary to the will of God. We must continue to always develop and cultivate a mindset of prayer. Remember, Jesus warning us that if we do not pray continuously, we may lose heart or become weary or exhausted spiritually. When a person becomes exhausted spiritually, we see that they are not Holy Spirit or God conscience. They're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, but rather have a tendency they want to do their own thing. What looks like is that they make decisions, what that looks like is they make decisions based on that on a part of them that's not under divine influence. And see, we may see a lack of unity, agreement, and a pulling back. When we are constantly praying as believers, we tend to be more Holy Spirit conscious to the will of God for our life. Our appetite for the word of God increased because we're looking for ways to re- for God to reveal himself to us. We're looking for his involvement. We're looking for his answers. We're looking to acknowledge Jesus and all, y'all way- all our ways and him directing our path. We're not looking to people to direct our path. We're looking to God to direct our path. You know, when you, pe- when you know you're spiritual minded, the first person you go to is God. First person you go to is God. You don't come to anybody else but God first. And then you say, God, who do you want me to talk to about this situation? And listen, he may not say something, nothing at first, but he wants you to acknowledge him in all he, he, your ways, and he shall direct our path. He'll go on and tell us specifically concerning the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit will help us to deal with trials, troubles, and temptation. See, adversity, affliction, and being enticed to sin and rebel against God is a real thing. Yet prayer helps us to be ready and prepared when those things come. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, is ready, but the flesh is weak, is feeble, is infirm, is not physically or mentally strong. See, the flesh is weak, feeble, and lacks strength when it comes to spiritual matters. It's also weak when it comes to temptation, trials, and trouble. In the right situation or circumstance, a person weak in the spirit will struggle to do the will of God for their life, especially when the flesh is craving to be satisfied. And your flesh is going to crave to be satisfied. You can bank on that. But we have to be spirit, spiritually minded, spiritual led, Christ minded. Now, let's go back to Luke 18 and verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men all, 
always ought to pray and not to lose heart. He goes on as a, he uses this particular parable as a means of teaching us how to pray. He gives us an example to go by. He uses a certain judge and a widow woman to paint the picture for us. So we see here in Luke 18 and verse 2, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. So there was a certain city a judge. A judge is a person who decides a matter between two or more parties. They are, another definition is a judge is a ruler. He did not fear God. He was not afraid of God, nor did he regard a reverence man. The judge had to be a work or someone, some, he had to be a work to deal with. The judge did not fear God, nor reverence man. He is a person in power who's deciding matters between individuals. He did not fear anyone, not even God. He got to be something else not to fear God, ain't he? But you know there are people all, all around the world that don't fear God. I mean, that's just reality of where we live at today. When a person does not fear God, the Bible gives us some characteristics about this type of person. We can conclude that this judge was demonstrating by these particular traits. And these are three traits of people who don't fear God. Number one, they lack wisdom. They lack wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the fear or the reverence and respect of the Lord is the beginning. It's the start of wisdom, starting of insight, starting of, uh, to be skillful, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So someone who doesn't fear God lacks wisdom. Second point is they lack divine protection. Psalms 115 and verse 11. You who fear the Lord, trust, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Again, you who fear or reverence or respect the Lord, trust in the Lord. And he is your help and your shield. He's your buckler and he is your protection. And the third characteristic is foolish character. Psalms 14 and verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. So the fool, the senseless or foolish person has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They are morally corrupt and destructive. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. So we can see in Scripture that people who don't fear God are something to deal with. They don't fear God. And see, you, you can't use people as a moral compass because depend on the person, on where their conscience is, is what you're going to use as your gauge. But when God is your conscience, you have the Scripture to use as your gauge. It's what God, if God says is right, it's right. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. It's not based on you because it depends on who it is. Hitler thought what he was doing was right. And he, in my opinion, was doing wrong. All right? But it's not based on what I think. It's based on Scripture. These people are liable to say or do anything. You know, people that don't fear God, they're liable to do anything, say anything, go anywhere, act any type of way, and they're not afraid of anything. They're not afraid of the consequences. Not afraid of the consequences. 
We need to deal with them. We need to deal with these people in wisdom. Deal with them in wisdom. We as believers should not uh, be getting closely connected to people who say and display actions that, su- that suggest that they don't fear God, his word, or his way of doing things. We may work or go to school with them, but be very cautious. The Bible's clear. These folks, regardless of who they are and how that powerful they are, they still lack wisdom, lack divine protection, have foolish character. And let me say this to you. We should not be surprised when they display their characteristics. You know how people get, I can't believe they said this. Why not? They don't fear God. They don't fear man. And they're liable to do just anything. And these type folks make the news. And you're like, I can't believe they did this. Yeah, you can't believe because why? They don't fear God. They don't fear man. And so it was with this particular judge. So we go back over to Luke 18, and we're going to pick up at verse 3. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. So there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me. Protect or defend me from my adversary, my enemy, or my opponent." The woman wanted and needed justice. Now, the judge is supposed to hear both sides of the case. That's what makes them what? A judge. What what kind of judge would it be if they only heard one side of the case? Well, we'd be in bad shape, would we? (laughs) But she had an adversary. An enemy who, who she felt did her wrong. We do not read where she was done wrong, but it In her mind, she was done wrong. It was real to her. And when a person does you wrong, many emotions can flood our hearts and our minds, whether it's family, friends, or a stranger. Now, I know most of the people in the sanctuary have lived long enough to be felt like you've done wrong. You didn't say amen to that. That's okay. I know I've lived long enough. You felt like you've done wrong. If you got parents, you felt like your parents done you wrong. Look how they looking here today, you guys. If you are a person who worked on a job, you felt like that job done you wrong. You're in a business deal. You felt like that business did you wrong. You felt like you've been done wrong. And so when we feel as we've been mistreated or done wrong, it does something to us. Mistreatment can be defined. It feels like you're being mistreated. And mistreatment can be defined as a cruel behavior to a person, especially by making them suffer physically or emotionally. Examples of mistreatment include threatening and abusive language, being rude and sarcastic, demean a person, or belittling them, belittling them, belittling them. At times, we may get our way or get our say. We, at times, we may not get our way or get what we say, we call that mistreatment too. But is that really mistreatment though? Because you don't get your way at a certain time? It's when a person intentionally threatens, humiliates, and causes harm, some people just mistreat other people. Now sometimes because a child can't get their way, they feel like they're being mistreated. Thank y'all for the four-way mans. That's okay though. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. They do it now, there's some people, there's some people that are just cruel people. They do 
They mistreat others. They do it on purpose. They do it face to face. They do it on the phone. They do it by text. They have, they have what they call social media bullying. They seek to insult, belittle, and ins- inflict harm on others. Now, in this text, we don't know what happened with this widow woman, but we do know she was seeking justice from her adversary, and she felt wrong or mistreated. But the older you get, I'm gaining a greater understanding that when people think something is a threat or they think they're mistreated, it's real to them. It's definitely real to them. Whatever happened to this widow woman, it was real to her, and she was willing to deal with this judge who in his actions and dealings let everyone know that he didn't fear God nor regard man, a foolish judge. This judge, no doubt, worked on his own timeline. Things were important when he thought they were important. People were important when he thought what they were important. So we go on in Luke 18 and verse 4, and it says this, Luke 18 and verse 4, And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man. So, she kept coming and asking and asking and uh, seemingly without getting results. She came for a while. She, at, there were some time had passed. She kept coming back again and again. Though I do not fear God, no regard man. Some time passed and the judge responded to the quest, request. Yet the widow one was persistent and relentless and not giving up or giving in. She, she didn't stop. She remained steadfast and she was constantly coming to the judge. Even while she was coming back and forth to the judge, the grace of God kept her from her enemies. Think about this for a moment. If you got a real bad adversary, a real bad opponent, who's going to keep you while you wait for the judge to make up his mind? Because, you know, if you got a bad enemy, he's going to say, oh, ain't nobody listening to her. I'm going to go and get her. I'm going to go and get her because ain't nobody listening to her. But notice the grace kept her, protected her. And see, you need to understand when the grace of God is keeping you. Just because you don't get a response as fast as you want to, don't think that the grace of God is not keeping you. In the grace of God keeping you every month when you make that, ba- that payment, that house payment, you making that payment every month. Lord, I don't want to pay it off. You made another payment. The grace kept you. You made that car payment. The grace what? Kept you. You made that, that loan payment. The grace what? Kept you. Yeah, I know you want to pay it off. Yeah, I know you want to, you've sold seed to get it out of debt. But the grace keeps you month by month. You ought to thank God for the month by month keeping, praise God. Woo, I appreciate you keeping me month by month. Yeah, I'm ready to retire. I'm tired of these folks, but the grace keep coming me week by week, month by month. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to throw. I'm ready to tell all these folks all, but the grace keep coming. I'm, I can take another day. I can take another day. I can take another time. Boy, I can take another time. Woo! You, know, you got to go to a certain place and get a certain thing. You ever been on the phone with somebody? Boy, these folks don't answer their phone and tell me what I need to hear. We finna, but the grace what? Keep you. Grace keep you because you don't, you don't say what you think in your mind to say. And they said, well, Mr. Dobbs, we're going to hold on. I need, I, hold on. Hold on. Mr. Let me just sit right here and wait a little while longer. And the grace keep you. And then you finally come back. And you get that thing resolved. It's the grace that kept you, though. Grace keeps us month by month until we get 
resolution to what we've been looking for. Now, the judge who fears no one felt troubled by the widow. Yet because this widow troubles me, she presents or shows herself to me. I will revenge her. Lest by her continually coming, she weary me. She annoyed me. The widow was persistent. She continued coming in the course of action. Coming for the judge in spite of difficulty or opposition. Her request was greater than her rejection. Boy, y'all let that sink in. Sometimes you got to be relentless when it comes to God. You got to keep going back to God and say, God, you know what? I know people say they can help me, but I want you to help me. I want you to do it, God. I want you to do it in my life. In my mind, I can see her asking the same king the same question over and over and over again. Every time she come up, hey, Miss Widow, yeah, I know what you're going to ask me. Yeah, I know, Miss Widow, you need me to avenge your adversary. Next day, here she come again, y'all. Here she come again. The day she got on, you look very nice, Miss Widow. You got your blue on today, but the answer's still no. Hey, Miss Widow, I see you got your red on today. Here you come. You ever, you ever had children come back and ask you the same question over and over again? I told you can have no cookies. I told you have have no cake cookies before your supper. I told you 12 times you're not getting no cookies today before your supper. You know what they do? They say, hey, can I have a cookie before we eat today? And then you know them, them one, some of them real smooth children, boy. Okay, I'm going to ask daddy for a cookie then because mama keep telling me no. Daddy, can I have a cookie? You know, I love you, daddy. You the best thing since sliced bread, daddy. And all we were doing, pulling out the cookie. Don't tell your mom I gave you the cookie. No, I'm just kidding. Y'all probably don't do stuff like that, but that just happened to me one or two times in my career. <laughs> but anyway, she kept coming back. Can you imagine? You kept coming back again and again. You know, every time she walked in the line, oh, you know what you've been asked, don't you? Yes, Miss Widow, the answer still no. She came back again. Miss Widow, the answer still no. But I, I want you to know how my voice changed. Miss Widow, the answer still no. Miss Widow, the answer still no. She still kept coming back. She still kept coming back. She kept coming back. He said, man, she wearing me. If I want to get Miss Widow off my back, I better go ahead and do something about this thing right here. I better do something about this right here. And see, the one thing I'm learning about this text is, could it be God to tell us keep, I wonder where they keep coming back. I wonder where they keep coming back. Or would they ask me one or two times and just, oh, they really don't want, because when you really want something, ooh, look at here, look at here. When you really want something, you will, listen, you'll nag the folks that, that got it for you. I didn't say that, but you keep coming asking, and you'll be persistent in asking again and again and again and again and again and again. Hallelujah. And then, let me ask, think about this for a moment. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, but think about this for a moment. How many times have somebody came to us, and we told them no about four, five, seven times, but because they kept on asking us, we gave in. And gave it to him. 
because I'm tired. And I'm, I'm trying to watch this ball game in here. And here they come in here. I'm going to watch the ball game. I'm sorry, y'all don't do ball games. But whatever y'all do, okay, the movie, whatever it is, I'm going to do something about this thing. I'm going to do something about it. Notice this is a position that the judge was in. She kept coming back again and again and again. And she did not let his no bear to turn. I bet he knew, I bet he knew everything about her by the time she came. I bet you know, oh, there she go with that blue outfit again. She wore that a month ago, and she still got that blue outfit again. He's coming with that purple. He got that purple on today. Oh, nice shoe, Miss, 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 Miss Widow. Oh, not nice shoe. Yeah, they go good with that black don't. I bet you had a down boy because he kept coming back again and again and again and again. Same judge. I appreciate it being the same judge, y'all. Why, why does that make a difference? Because you, you got to ask somebody else. You got to start all over with, with your request. You got to start. But when you go back to the same person, you know, that way they can't. Woo, they know your story. Same person. Be like, oh, yeah. I, I've been in a situation where when I say hello, hello, Mr. Dobbs, how you know with me? <laughs> Woo, they knew why. He, I knew exactly why. <laughs> now, what struck me in this particular parable is this. One thing, or many things in this parable that struck me. Since he's a judge and a ruler who did not fear God, nor regard man, he could have easily stopped him. Could have stopped him. He could have said, boom, or, or gave a, a decree or a ruler, never come back here again. Never come back here again. Don't bother me ever again. And she could have did that. But she had something what I call access. Access to the judge. Access is a way in, an entrance into one place. When a person has access, they keep coming back again and again and again. And because of the blood of Jesus that was shed back on Calvary, we keep coming back again and again and again. Lord, thank you, God, for your blood. I can come back again and again and again. I keep coming back, God, because you gave, listen, I didn't give myself access. He gave me access. He's the one who shed his blood back at Calvary. He's the one who paid the price. He's the one who said, if you receive me as your Lord and Savior, you can keep coming back again and again. Lord, I didn't do it myself. It was the blood of Jesus mm, that gave me access. And because I received him as Lord and Savior, I have access Woo, lift one hand and say, I have access. Oh, I got access because of the blood of Jesus. He shed his blood back at Calvary, so therefore I got access oh, to the holies of holies. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in the time of needs. The book of Hebrews. Now, I want you to notice Hebrews 12 and 23. Hebrews 12 and 23. The Hebrew writer calls him the God, the judge of all, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. So notice he is a judge, one who decides a matter. He decides every matter, every matter. He is the judge of all. We are blessed to have access or entryway to the judge of all. 
who never changes, and his judgment is true or correct. He don't make wrong judgments. He don't make wrong judgment. Listen, natural man may mess it up, but God will never mess up a judgment. He will never mess up a judgment. You may get upset with natural man. You may not like natural man, but you can't get upset with God. Because God going to make the right decision every time. Every time. Because why? He got all the information. He got all the information. See, sometimes we try to make decisions on limited information. Oh, they're innocent because they look innocent to me. But the judge got all the information. He knows everything. Glory be to God. And this is what I love about God. He knows everything about you, but he still allowed you access. He knows when you messed up. He knows when you did wrong. He knows when you threw in the towel. He knows you wanted to quit. He knows you. Amen. But God says, I give you access. You are the, he is the judge of all. The judge in the parable, the non-fearing God and unrighteous judge. Let's go back to Luke 18, verse 6. Has the widow keep coming back to him with the same request and finally became troubled and weary. And so in Luke 18, verse 6, and the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Notice in this particular text, he calls him unjust, unrighteous, one who violates God's law. One who does wrong when it comes to justice. See, in my opinion, the Lord is letting us know that if a judge who violates God's law and is unrighteous can do what is right, then we must trust and place confidence in the fact that the judge of all will do what is right. Listen, if this unjust judge can get it right, then I know the king of kings and the judge of all will always get it right. He'll always get it right. And this is what I love about God. God can know everything about you and still love you. I, listen, in fact, he knows everything about you and he still loves you. And you know what's great about that? He knows everything about you and he'll still pronounce you innocent. Ooh Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. And let me say this to you. You know what you've done. I know what I've done. And he knows what I've done. But you know what? He still loves us. Woo, I appreciate you loving us, God. Even though you know everything about me, God. Woo, I tried to hide it, but you know all about me, God. I tried to do it behind the corner, but you know everything about me, God. And you still love me, Father. Woo, Luke 18, verse 7. And shall, not God, and shall God not avenge, inflict punishment on behalf of someone? His own elect, his chosen ones, his picked out ones. But notice what they do. These who cry out day and night to him. They cry out. They ask for help. They ask God to get involved. They ask God to be a part of their life. They say, God, get, be a part of my family. Lord, be a part of my business. Lord, be a part of my uh, thinking, talking, and acting. Lord, be a part. I cry out to you. How long? Day. They what? Persistent. They are persistent prayers who cry out day and night to him. Though he bears long with them. And Lord knows he bears long with us. Is that right? 
he bears long. He's patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others. See, prayer helps us to release the battle to the Lord. We invite him in and get him involved. We see scriptures like 2 Chronicles 20 and 15. And he says, listen to you, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Exodus 14, verse 13 and 14. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. See, God vengeance his mind, saith the Lord, I will repay. The Lord will avenge his own when we cry out and sincerely ask for help. He will fulfill what he has already promised in his word. The Lord would, would choose, now the Lord may choose not to respond to our Cry as fast as we would like for him to. But we still got to believe he's going to respond. Let me say it to you. I've been saved for a number of years now. And I can testify to the fact God does not respond as fast as I want him to. But I trust him to respond. I trust him to respond. It takes maturity. I had to grow up. I had to say, God, I can't be acting like no baby in him. I got to grow up and say, God, I trust you in it. I, tr- I don't see you moving. I don't even see the wind blow. I don't see are you you're not clean your throat. God, I don't hear nothing, but I believe your word here, God. I believe your word, God. And some of you may be in circumstance and situations right now. You're asking God to move. He's not moving as fast as you thought he should, but keep crying out to him. Keep crying out to him. Keep asking for help. Asking God to get involved. I promise you, according to the scripture here, we're learning here today, he's going to respond in his timing. You got to trust his timing, though. You got to trust his timing. You got to trust his timing. Now, another lesson we learn from this parable is some of us may be giving up too soon. Y'all know someone kept coming back again and again. She kept coming back. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've given up on stuff, and I had to go back and pray it months later. Okay, let me start over again, God. <laughs> Woo! Lord, help me! But no, this woman kept coming back again and again, asking the same thing. We said, Pastor Dallas, uh, well, y'all see the parable, don't you? Y'all see the woman? She kept coming back again and again and again and again. Did she not? Hallelujah. Until she got her breakthrough. Woo! Then Luke 18, verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When God began to move, it ain't going to take him long, y'all. When God began to move, it's not going to take him long to get it done. Ooh, isn't it good to know when he started to move, it ain't going to take him long? You know, you pay off your debt, it ain't going to take him long to pay it off. You know, it gonna take, listen, it's going to take but one transaction. There it is. When God gets ready to heal your body, it is not going to take long for him to do it. When God gets ready to deliver you, it's not going to take long for him to do it. Whatever you bring to God, when he gets started, tell somebody, it ain't going to take long. 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 Now, he does end this with a very interesting question to me. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Will he really 
find faith on the earth? Will he find faith? Will he find people who trust and have confidence in Jesus, that believe his written and revealed word? My question will be this. Do we have confidence in trusting Jesus to continue to pray despite what we see? Do we have the confidence, the trust to continue to pray despite what we're going through? The world kept going. Will we go back even if there is a delayed response? Will we, keep, will we have the faith to keep going back? The widow did not get the initial response, but she wanted, but she had faith to keep going back. This judge got what I need. I'm going to keep coming back until I get the results I'm looking for. I must keep do we believe that Jesus, once he gets involved, got the power to give us the answers, the guidance, the deliverance, the protection, and cause us to prosper despite our opposers? Well, do I have the faith to keep crying out to the Lord for help by faith? Do I have the faith to do it? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? My prayer is that we'll be a church who understands the power, the ability, the strength, and the authority of persistent prayer and will seek to become such a person. The power of a persistent prayer. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer request and testimonies to our website at occvr.org. That's occvr.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at occvr.org. Click on the Give button to give online, or you can utilize text to give Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at occvr.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.